Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for choosing to spend your afternoon here with us. For those who don't know, I'm Patricia Ogden-Faber, and I do a podcast show to help people maximise property values. It's called Maximising Property Values, and it's on your popular platforms. Now, if you tap on the link that I've put above, you'll be able to see some of the ones that it's on. If yours isn't showing, just let me know if you're interested in subscribing to the show, and I will submit it to that so that you can get it regularly. That, however, normally, when I talk, is a monologue. And I release my podcast, so my monologue podcast, once a month, every month, on the first day of the month. But since November, I've been having some lovely, lovely guests to join me here on Clubhouse, where we do the recording, and it's then released as a podcast the following week. So the one that I'm doing with Jason today will be released as a podcast on Wednesday coming. But it will be on Clubhouse in the meantime. And my guest today, as you can see, is Jason Patterson. So let's get to know Jason even more today. So who is Jason? Jason is a property investor from London who specialises in purchasing leasehold flats and flats with short leases. Jason, welcome to Maximising Property Values. But before we go into your property activities, I've got your questions for you. So nobody ever knows what questions I'm going to ask them. And it gives me so much pleasure to have people think, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what's she asking me? Anyway, here are yours. They're usually easy questions. So, you know, nothing to fear if you've not already been on and you you are going to come on and you're thinking, oh my gosh, what's she going to ask me? Anyway, your first question is this. How do you most like spending your time? So neither of your questions can relate to property. So how do you most like spending your time and why? And your second question is, how do you least like spending your time? And again, why? Over to you, Jason. Hi, Um, afternoon, everyone. So what do I like doing most? Alright, it's one of two things. I'm a, more of a maths geek, so um, I love teaching maths basically. It's anything to do with like Pythagoras, trigonometry, algebraic equations, calculus, differentiation, integration. A lot of my time sounds geeky, but I like doing maths <laughs> in my spare time. So sometimes, obviously, um, I get paid for it as well because I do a bit of math tuition, but. Because I'm just doing it randomly, I might as well just get paid for it. Because I'm, I'm more of a maths person, and then probably to do with um, another thing, probably gym. I like going to the gym. So the gym, when you're an entrepreneur um, and you're used to being in employment, that social aspect um, changes. So we know we go into work sometimes, and when you're talking about a new topic, could be political, could be football related could be, I don't know, anything. But now you're solo, you don't really get that um, social experience of going into work and being talking to others. So when you go to the gym, the gym's like maybe work or school, basically. Go there, obviously you do a workout, um, you socialise, um, you meet other entrepreneurs as well, and it obviously is good for your mindset and good for your body. So um, probably the, over the most, of two things I like doing most, probably doing maths, and going to the gym. So least, least, uh, that's a tough one. Least, I'm not sure about that one actually. <laughs> what I like doing least, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, I'll let you off. I'll let you off. So, math geek, oh my goodness. And, you know, there I was, Jason, thinking that we have got so much in common um, because you've done um, 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 shelf stacking, which I used to do at night because they used to pay an amazing rate when I was at college. And you do property as well, which I do, and you do short leases. You love short leases, which I also love. But maths? Oh my gosh, no, I am so not a figures person. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. You, 
exactly when you used to work in um, the supermarket on a night shift. It was like double time, right? Or what time? Oh, and a half. Double. And if you worked, it was double, uh, wasn't it? Double time. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And sometimes it used to be my ne- um, the day shifts and men. If you did it after peak, yeah, off peak, like seven o'clock onwards, then you get like time and a half. And then if you worked a Sunday, then you get double pay. So that's why they mind working in the supermarkets originally, because sometimes we used to do night shift on a Saturday night, and then you'd get the normal pay, and then you get the night shift rate, and it goes into Sunday, and you get double pay. So those, those kind of shifts, them suicide shifts, helped me to stack for some property deals. But yeah, we've got quite a few things in common. <laughs> do you know, I so remember that. I only ever used to do the night shift. And I remember, I think it was the Sainsbury's on North End Road in W14. And I used to love it because of the money. And, you know, being a student, I was never taxed. So all of that money just went into my bank account. And, um, oh, yeah, good days, good days, good days. Right, okay. So I was Matthew... in Camden, not far from you. I was in Camden. <laughs> oh. But one this is this is one of the things that I say to my children. I say, because I've got grown-up children, and I say, do you know, guys, whatever you do, it doesn't matter as long as you're working towards an end. Um, because I've been a waitress in the past, and I've done, like, you know, we're talking about now, I've done, you know, stacking of shelves, in you know, and I've done all manner of things. But you see, what you do doesn't define you. And how you start your race doesn't define you. It's, you know, how much you, 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 and how well you do it. And, you know, often, you know, really young people will look at older people, which I'm not saying you, I'm talking really older people, and they'll think, oh, do you know, someone's got this and they've got that, but they don't know their story and they don't know their history. And they don't know what that person used to do when they were their age. So yeah, I I, I I love it when people are real. So let's get into property now. Let's start talking about property. So, so um, one minute, I've been told I'm a bit low. So this happened before. So I'm gonna leave the room and then jump back in. I mean, hopefully my volume will be higher. Okay, great stuff. Yeah. Jason, let's, let's try that again. All right, can you hear me all right? Oh my goodness, what a difference. A lot clearer, yeah. So it, yeah. There's a glitch, a glitch in the system. Oh, right. You see, I didn't know that. Because I, I often get people messaging me to say, you know, your voice is quite low. But I have a soft voice, I've been told. Um, and I just think, oh, well, do you know, that is my voice. And I try and kind of like shout a bit. And then I, I, I didn't realise there was a glitch. Oh, okay, lovely. I see, I've learned something new today. <laughs> right. So we're going to start talking about property. So we both share a love. Well, all of us in the room, I guess, share a love of property. But you talk talk to us about yours and what you do and, you know, flats and, you know, short leases. I just, I am just so looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Um so talk to us Jason talk to us give us a case study tell us what you okay actually let me make it easier why don't you talk to us about your last deal break it down completely and you know uh, uh, tell people the ups and the downs you know if there were any and you know why you are into this as much as you are all right yeah so the last deal um actually i'll tell you the one before that because basically during lockdown one um i completed on one in march 2020 april 2020 and one in june 2020 um i mean i've completed one in august 2021 but i haven't done the least extension for that one yet so i go back one step to 2020 um and i go through one of those deals so basically um my usual remit is to purchase flats in in north london um and then lately as people know i've been doing or purchasing a lot of flats of low leases and when i say low leases um normally they're between 60 and 80 years um in terms of lease length because those ones are the ones that i find give you the best return in terms of making between 40 and about 50k uplift after you you've extended, extended the lease so those ones are the ones that i generally look for 
Um, I may start looking at ones below 60 years, but um, for now, at the moment, I've just been going for ones between 60 years and 80 years because it gives me 40 to 50K worth of uplift. I mean, that's roughly about 20 to 25% in terms of uh, percentage um, ROI. So if you, like I said, if you do two or three of them a year, then that's a nice 100K or 150K into a pocket for not really doing much, um, apart from just signing a few papers. So, um, yeah, normally, generally, um, I go for a normal buy-to-let mortgage. Um, you put down 25% deposit, which is 75% loan, loan to value. Now, my current strategy is normally I go for like a two-year fixed deal. Um, I know like yourself, you go for a variable rate, so you can take out the money within or after six months on average. Or some people go for bridging, so you can extract the cash after... Um, you've extended the lease, but at the moment, because I don't really need the cash straight away, um, I just go for two-year fix, um, which is which is what I normally do now. And the common lenders that I generally go to, um, you've got places or companies like uh, got Keystone, um, the Mortgage Lender, Kensington Foundation Home Loans, Land Bay, Capital Home Loans. Um, Bank of India, West One, um, NatWest. You've got so many different lenders that do it. Um, and a lot of them, apart from NatWest and Capital Home Loans, a lot of them um, say to you that the lease length at the end of the term of a mortgage cannot be lower than 50 years. So that's the remit of most of them. NatWest have a different remit. Um, their minimum lease term is 30 years. So you could get a normal buy to let mortgage with NatWest and at the end of the mortgage term, um, the lease cannot be lower than 30 years. So that's a special deal with NatWest. Similar capital home loans, I think their one was about 40 years. So those two are special, but everyone else, um, the lease length have to be 50 years at the end of the mortgage term. So basically what I've done, um, I've gone for a 75% loan to value, two year fixed, which was with um, foundation home loans. Um, yeah, so this particular one was 64 years on it, I think it was, yeah, 64 year lease. Um, purchased for 155,000. This was due in lockdown one, 2020, one bedroom flat in, in North London. Um, luckily in this particular block, I had the one upstairs from this and I've extended the lease on this before. So I know exactly how much it will cost to extend the lease. There's not much research in that area. So this lease extension costs about £15,466 to extend the lease by an additional 90 years on top of the 64 years what it is now. Um, I had to pay for the freeholders solicitors, which was um, £1,100 plus VAT. And then I also had to pay for my solicitors, which cost £800, and I had to pay for their surveyor, which was quite expensive. It was about a grand for their surveyor to go around and analyse the property or survey the property. So all in, probably about three grandish worth of fees and, and, and survey fees. That came up to about um, 18 grand, roughly, or 19 grand if you include the lease extension. So 19 grand for that. I mean, the 155 purchase price, that came in at about 174-ish in total. I mean, the end value of this one, at the time, um, I calculated it at around 220,000. So that one would have brought me in about 46K worth of uplift for that particular deal. But that same flat now, in the same block, they're going for about um, 235. So really, that's an extra 10, 15 grand on top of what it was in 2020. So I've had capital appreciation and I've had an uplift from um, the lease extension. So at the time, it would have been about 46k worth of uplift. But now, I think it's about 60k worth of, worth of uplift because I haven't taken any money out of that one. That one's quite a good deal. Um, but yeah, so overall, with that one, the return, the ROI that I was getting about was about 29.8% uplift, which was good. And I always aim for between 20 and 25% if I can. So that one was, was, was quite a good deal, that one. Because again, prices have been squeezed a bit because prices have increased. But what I found is lease extension premiums haven't really, they don't really go up. 
they stayed the same. The only way about they go up is if the ground rent, obviously, if lease limp goes down, 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 bit by bit, then yeah, the actual lease extension cost will go up. But the lease extension actual cost, the premium does not change or rise with inflation, which is good. So there's something to think about when you're moving forward. Yeah, that's like a typical deal, basically. Um, normal rate, this one was, what was it? I think it was like 2.59%, I think it was, what I said. Yeah. So, but yeah, typical deal. I mean, if you want to, you can extract the cash out of that I and mean, then go on. But um, I've just left it in there because I've got, like, this year I've got about 11 product switches to sort out. I've done some already. I mean, there's more. So we need the cash straight away. So I just leave it in there. End of the two-year deal fixed. I've got the option of either taking it out or just renewing my deal. Yeah, that's like a typical deal, basically. Oh, that sounds really, really, really nice. Really, really nice. Um, now, um, looking at the fees, you know, a lot of people don't really think about the fees. And have you found, you know, when, you, when you're actually dealing, um, when you're doing these? So actually, before I ask that question, was this a statutory um, increase? So did you go down the Section 42 route or was it an informal route? Informal route. I've done about maybe three or four Section 42, Section 42s here, but um, generally I like to contact the freeholder myself. So with this case, um, when um, I was purchasing it, I asked my solicitor to ask the freeholder because um, I always contact them for the ground rent anyway. Um, I asked them if it was if I was allowed to extend the lease before owning the flat for two years. And they wrote back with the ground rent information, which you requested as part of the searches. And they said, yes, um, once you complete, you can extend the lease within that on the property for two years, which was fine. Um, so I've done that. I could have served such a point notice initially, but I'd like to do it voluntary. So I got the keys. Um, Waited, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe, I think it was about a month or two. Yeah, you'd locked down. I mean, just wrote a letter to the freeholder, said to them, yeah, um, I'm a new owner of um, Garten's Clothes. Um, will you be willing to give me a quote for a 99 year or two 99 year lease extension, one two five year lease extension, um, 90 years above what it is now, plus peppercorn ground rent? Um, this one I can't buy the freehold to, but I'll talk about that later. But they wrote back to me and said, yes, we'd be willing to um, extend the lease. And they gave me premiums for each of those to 99 years, to one, two, five years, and to 90, and 99, 90 years above what it is now, plus Peppercorn Ground Rent. And then I chose the one which is 90 years above what it is now with Peppercorn Ground Rent. And then, and they didn't try and please me or anything. Because when you deal with um, large companies and you're extending the lease, a lot of them may try and inflate the price. But if you're dealing with smaller companies or individuals, they're more realistic with their prices. So when they wrote back and said, yeah, it's going to cost you like 15,000, this and that, I said, yeah, that, that's fine. That, that's reasonable. There's no room for negotiation here. They just accepted it and then it went through. So within about two and a half months, um, it, it went through. So the, the longest part generally is the negotiation between yourself and the freeholder if you do the voluntary route. And this one took about, um, it took just a couple of weeks just for letters to come back on the fourth by email and then after that um, i got my sister involved so i asked jan um, if she'd represent me in terms of doing the lease extension she said yes then once your solicitor writes to their solicitor um you have three months to complete the lease extension i mean after that three months if you don't complete within those three months then that offer that they've given you um is invalid they can always change that afterwards. So, but within about six weeks, um, it was fine. In Jan sent up the documentation towards um, land registry. So that's completed. So that particular one took about took about two months really to, in terms of going through the two weeks to negotiate, only because of emails. I don't really want to take up or take the emails much. And then six weeks worth of paperwork. I and mean, then she sent off to land registry, so it's done within about two months. So, but yeah, that's the general system. Oh, thank you, Jason. Um, okay, that's 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 really really fantastic. 
Um, so um, since you like figures, let me put you on the spot. Do you want to explain to people where the uplift comes from? Because it's guaranteed, isn't it? Every single time, literally guaranteed. You know, no matter what, you are going to get an uplift if you buy a short lease. So we're talking about today. Um, so we are in April 2022. If somebody's listening to this next year in 2023, the law may have changed. But as of today, um, April uh, 13th of April 2022, you are guaranteed an uplift. Do you want to tell people how that works and why it is that you are definitely guaranteed an uplift? Well, yeah, with the ones that I buy, yeah. <laughs> the ones in central London might be a bit different because um, them ones the six figure uplifts. But um, yeah, the, the, the law is going to be changing or well, acts coming in in June 2022 um, in relation to the ground rent. Um, might diverge a little bit off, but um, what, what, was what was happening is um, a lot of, uh, should I say, big companies like Wimpy, um, Barclay Homes, like Fairview Homes, all the big national house builders, not all of them, but some of them were building houses with um, with um, lease leases on them. So they weren't freehold houses; they were leasehold houses. I mean, they they were attaching ground rents to them at at the time. So when they you know like you get help to buy a scheme or or shared ownership, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So people were buying houses and then um, having their lease attached to them as well. So their original ground rent might be like a hundred pounds initially, and then um, what the companies would do, they would package them up and then sell them on to other companies. And then those new companies would up the ground rent to maybe 150 or 200 pounds, et cetera, et cetera. And then what would happen is, or what has happened basically, um, some of these homeowners, house owners have become mortgage prisoners because the ground rents have doubled or tripled or, or just increased so much. I mean, a lot of these lenders don't like when the ground rent is, is super high. Um, and plus, um, if the ground rent's going up and up and up, that's obviously eating into the person's um, disposable income because you've got high energy bills already, you've got your, rent, your main mortgage. Now the ground rent's going up bit by bit by bit. Um, some mortgage companies were saying no, that we're not going to give you any um, new mortgage products so we can't new a deal. Then they'll go on to a, mortgage, um, a variable rate so just for argument's sake, if they're paying six hundred pounds for their new house, um, leasehold house it is, I mean, we're going into a variable rate that might increase to nine hundred pounds or a thousand pounds a month, just because they can't move over to another lender or another mortgage product. That's causing a lot of issues. The government's decided to stamp it out, or um, we'll try and stamp it out, and say that um, from June twenty twenty two, all new leases um, will be given or come with peppercorn ground rent, which means zero ground rent. So it doesn't apply to the current ones, like the ones I've got, ones that you've got, for people in the audience. But when you renew your lease next, um, the government will try, will, will say, to, as will act if it's after June 2022, and then you should officially get zero or peppercorn ground rent when you extend your lease premium next. And then that applies to some of the houses, obviously, as well. But um, the way it works is, like, for example, like I said before, with, with some of these, um, you might get it for 160 or 170. And then what generally, which is like a general, general idea of, of how it works. Let's say your ground rent is um, £100 a year and you've got like 66 years left on that lease. Now, 66 years times £100 a year is 6,600. So effectively, um, you're going to be paying or the freeholder with old 6,600 pounds for the remainder of you owning that property if you were to get back to them afterwards. So what, what, what's, what's going to happen now is there's no more ground rent. So what some of them will probably do is try and maybe incorporate a little bit of the ground rent into the lease extension premium just to boost it up a little bit. But I've got to read the technicalities of the law to see what obviously will happen. But um, yeah, in general, um, a lot of these properties are below 
their standard value with a good lease. Um, but yeah, it's always going to be an uplift. Always going to be an uplift, like what Patricia says. But again, always look for like 20 to 25% uplift um, in terms of that sense. But what I've noticed recently as well, some of them, they've tried to put the price or the property on the market for the price which is not too far below the current market rate, even though it's got a lease extension to be done. So some of them are trying to fleece people as well in that sense. But um, yeah, in general, you buy the property, you extend the lease, and then you should leave yourself some leeway in terms of a profit. Profit. So similar to the BRR strategy, but it's the paper version of of, of doing it. But um, yeah, <laughs> waffled a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> do you know, uh, uh, Jason, we should do a room together where we can go into the nitty gritty of all these things and talk about relativity, talk about marriage value, talk about all of those things and really, really, really go into it. And I, I was just going to add, really, that another another thing that the lenders don't tend to like is um, the fact that with the high ground rents, it puts their, you know, their security within the uh, within the the realms of of um, section one of the housing act 1988 and, and makes them assured tenancies um and if anything is an assured tenancy um uh, you know anywhere else 750 per annum if if that money is owing for the periods in in the housing act then the freeholder can actually get possession and under section 8 of the housing act if if the grounds are made out then the court has no leeway they have to grant possession and that lenders just don't like that and and rightly so because if you if you lend someone let's say for instance you know a million pounds on on a flat and you know for some reason they forget to pay their ground rent which is 2000 pounds per annum and it's in london that puts them, that makes it an assured tenants, assured tenancy, and the freeholder can actually get possession of that million pound flat or two million pound flat, whatever, just because the two thousand pound ground rent has not been paid at a certain rent. London fifteen hundred per annum, anywhere else seven fifty. It'd have a nightmare. So you know, like you said, I just really, really hope that they sort it out regarding existing leases because that isn't what the Housing Act, I guess, even you know, thought about doing when it did that. Um, but it's also a bit surprising that they've not chosen to address that directly in, in the Leasehold uh, Reform Ground Rent Act of 2022. They've just left it out. Anyway, 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 we'll do a technical room and we can go into all of those things. You can do the numbers. I yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that would be good. Nice combo. <laughs> uh, no, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay so, so you've spoken to us about one of the ones that you did in 2020. Um, how about another one? Um, you know, we've all been waiting to just pick your brains on this, um, Jason. And in fact, I had someone this morning in, in another room that I was in saying, oh, yes, you know, Jason inspired me. And I'm now looking at doing, you know, two flats. And that was just, it was so heartwarming. And I said, yes, I, I've been looking forward to talking to him as well. So, Jason, talk to us about another one. Talk to us. Yeah, so um, I've had bought another one. It's a two-bed flat, um, again in Enfield. Um, this one, the lease was, I think, 62 years. Um, this one I did, actually, again, it was voluntary. It wasn't um, Section 42 notice. Um, so I went to the freeholder. Again, I've asked them for, to quote for a 99-year or to 99-year lease, one to five years and um, 90 years plus peppercorn ground rent. And then they came back with a figure of, I think it was 22,000. But um, I know from local knowledge and experience that that was a bit too high. This company, it's a big company, by the way. I mean, so I thought, all right, we were going, um, going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and they weren't budging. So um, I had to get my lease extension surveyor involved, um, Andrew, and then he went round there he produced a 22-page report on the lease extension um, premium. Um, he His figure, he's been doing it for over 30 years, so he knows the properties and the system inside out. So 
um, whenever there's a dispute between yourself and the freeholder um, in terms of the premium, then he's a good person to um, to, to act or or to use. He's based in North London, I mean, Finchley. Um, he's like a professional, he's my, my secret weapon. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, so I brought him involved. Um, he produced a report. And then um, what he did was he um, sent that report over to the freeholder and then also to the surveyor. And then um, I received a letter back stating, oh, we've um, spoken to your surveyor, et cetera, et cetera. We've decided to give you a lease extension premium of, again, I think it was like 16,500 or something like that. This was like a two-bed flat. <clears throat> so, so I was quite happy with that. So even though I paid him um, £700 plus VAT to do the lease extension report, um, overall, we might save save me personally about four or five grand um, just towards the next deal. So it's worth um, getting someone like that involved if um, you better dispute between yourself and the freeholder. Um, I've never had one where I went to a tribunal before, um, but I think that's more to do with the bigger ones like in central London where they cost five or six figures to extend the lease. Um, but then if there's a big dispute, then the tribunal might might, might, might get involved but for these smaller ones which are like 20 grand 25 grand 16 grand 15 grand you should be able to sort it out between yourself and the freeholder um going forward <clears throat> and also um i'll tell you about another one um sometimes i buy some mixture i buy some above flats above, above um shops sorry i buy some above well some conversions which are house conversions used to be a flat used to be a house story and they turn it into two separate flats and I also buy some purpose-built ones as well. So with the conversions, um, on five separate occasions, I managed to buy the freehold from those um, freeholders. So but I first got the idea about, um, let me just tell you about this first actually, the lease extensions. Um, back in the day, I had about I think maybe eight or nine mortgages with um, Birmingham Midshires and BM Solutions and then the credit crunch hit and then they started just to change their, their system and I think they reduced the number of buys to let mortgages that they offered at the time to maybe three or four. I think I had, had, had loads of them at the time. So what they did, they said, right, you can stay with us, but you can't do any additional borrowing. So I said, oh, that's fine. Cause at the time, um, the, the base rate was 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 dropping, and my variable rate. I moved on to variable rate, and I was only paying like zero point nine nine above the base rate. So I was paying like peanuts. So that's why I decided to stay with them, but I couldn't take out any cash. And then I waited a few years, and maybe in two thousand and uh, I can't remember what year it was, but I changed some of them over to TMW, which is the Mortgage Works, and then. Um, with a surveyor, he came around with me to four of my properties because then we four of them over to TMW. Um, and then he said to me, three of them are fine, but this fourth one here, the lease is, is quite low. It's 71 years. So we can't give you the full 30 grand out of that property. But what we can give you, we'll, we'll give you, I think, 10. They'll probably give you 10 at the moment. But then the other 20, if you do want it, you're going to have to extend the lease inform TMW, then TMW will update, obviously update their system, their desktop valuation, the men we can release the other 20 grand to. But that won't happen until you extend the lease. <clears throat> so I thought, okay. So I thought that's when the first, that's when the idea came into my mind, first of all, about um, uplift in terms of um, lease extensions. So um, that, that same property, um, I purchased it. Like, like a while ago with short lease, as, as you know, but I didn't really know about short leases then. And then um, when I went to the freeholder to extend the lease, again, the, the usual 99 years, one, two, five years, um, 90 years above what it is now, I also put in, will you be willing to sell me the freehold? And then the freeholders come back and said, yes, we'll be willing to sell you the freehold or yourself and the above upstairs a freehold if you want to do it jointly so i contacted the person upstairs i said yeah and the person's willing to um sell us the freehold we can either do it joint or i'll just buy it for myself i mean i can be your your freeholder so we did it joint 
come in, that one went through. Um, so now the freeholder of that building and we also own obviously the lease. So I extended the lease, both of us did, top floor and ground floor. Um, we extended it to nine, nine, nine years and with a nil fee, because the solicitor will ask you, do you want to put a price beside your premium? But we just said no, because it's not worth it. We're freeholders now anyway. And um, since so, so, so we purchased a freehold um, to that building, which was all right, I did that like on five separate occasions. Every time I buy a conversion now, and it's got a short lease on it, I always put in like a cheeky line saying, um, will you be willing to sell us or sell me the freehold? And five times, or five separate occasions, they've said yes, bought the freehold, and then now obviously um, we're freeholders. Um, so yeah, that, that worked out all right. Also, um, the ones I used to offer a lot as well, back in the day, the shops were flats above shops. But I've always said no. I've always said, nah, it's not for me. But then, um, like Daniel was like, yeah, come on, just have a look at it. You can reconfigure it. It's nice in there. Blah, blah, blah. So I've done that. This one, first one was above a barber shop. Um, so I went in there, had a look around. But yeah, it's quite a big space. He said, yeah, if what we could do, you can move the kitchen into the front room. Um, and then turn that kitchen into a bedroom. So I measured up, checked some of the walls, this plaster wood or, or um, load bearing walls, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that's, that first gave me the idea of reconfiguring um, above flats above shops, which is quite a good idea. Because a lot, a lot of the time, the freeholders for the shops um, are commercial. So they're, they're fine with it a lot of the time. Because the shops downstairs do a lot of reconfiguring anyway to suit their business. So upstairs, it makes it a lot easier just to reconfigure it um, with their permission. So, um, so, so things like that, that's where the triple threat came in, um, what I call a triple threat. So you can, you've got a short lease, um, you can reconfigure it from one bed to a two bed or two bed to a three bed. And you can also do a refurb, um, a BRR. So then once you can basically get all of your money back out in, cause if it's a triple threat like that, there's three different ways technically they can add value. Yeah. So you add another bedroom and um, within the legal requirements, you're doing a refurb on it and you also extend the lease. So then once you, you can definitely pull out all of your money in, in most cases. And then you could just obviously go again after that. But, um, yeah, so those are the main three types. So purpose built, flats above shops and conversions. That's what I look for um, going forward. Whoa. You know, Jason, you are sharing so much. But now, if people, and I'm going to come back to a point, so actually remind me if I forget, I want to talk about retentions. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, so I find that the club, this this app, is very, very selective as to what it allows you to pin. So it's not allowing me to pin your YouTube um, link or any of the links that you've actually provided to me. I don't know whether or not you can do that so that people know how to get in touch with you. Otherwise, if you can actually just tell people how they can get in touch with you, because, you know, some people are not, you know, they're going to listen to this after the room, so they won't have the benefits of the links anyway. But if you can just tell people how best to get in touch with you, that will be really helpful. So if you don't mind doing that. Yeah, so um, I'm available on Facebook. Um, just type in Jason Patterson, it should come up hopefully. Um, on Instagram, I've only been on Instagram maybe less than two years because people always say, oh, go on Instagram, go on Instagram. I'm like, can't be bothered. But now I'm on there. So I've been on there probably well, less than two years. So my code for that or my tag for that is a long one anyway. It's at, um, it's at J underscore P underscore p underscore 21 so that's my um instagram handle um recently joined tiktok as well so that one's jason patterson 365 um i'm on linkedin again just type in jason patterson and i should be on there straight away oh it's a common name anyway but <laughs> it should be on the list um but yeah those are the main ones that i'm on oh yeah obviously the youtube channel is posted up on link above with um sometimes we're in we do zoom sessions with um like damon and ricky and leon and naraj from back in the day and then this was just one of the ones because um, a lot of people are asking about the figures so obviously 
you're on audio on Clubhouse, but then sometimes it's better to see the figures visually. So now and again, we just do Zoom Zoom sessions on on certain figures. When you see them visually, it's, it's easier to understand and take in. So I just posted the link up there. So every now and again, some of the podcasts that I do or some of the Zoom sessions, I'll just put onto the YouTube channel. So everything is just there all in one place. Because if you get a lot of messages from Instagram or LinkedIn, so how do you do it or what the figures involved? I just post on that link and then everything's on there. So it makes it a lot easier and moving forward. Oh, thank you, Jason. And thank you for posting this link. So for people who might be listening after the room, so they won't be able to see this, as you said, what you do is go to YouTube and you can search for this. So the title is Short Lease Properties Masterclass hyphen Clubhouse Meet. So that's Short Lease Properties Masterclass hyphen Clubhouse Meet. And if you just type that into YouTube, it should bring the um the the session up so that's really really good so when you were talking jason about um the mortgage works and how they were a bit like reticent to 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 um lend the full value on the on the short lease it reminded me of retentions i think retentions have more or less disappeared now but i remember when you know, back in the day, like you said, back in the day, back in the day for me, it's going to be different to your back in the day, no doubt. But in my back back in the day, um, if you um, wanted to borrow money, uh, you know, for a house, the surveyor could go around and say, well, actually, you need a new roof and that will cost maybe like £10,000. Um, you're looking to borrow £100,000 from us. So we will lend you £90,000. And once you've done, you know, once you've got your new roof come back to us and we'll give you you know the ten thousand pounds they don't do that anymore do they they just say yes no. or no yeah exactly yeah yeah that's it like rules have changed now so like different systems even like Kent, the Kent Reliance used to do next day remortgages that kind of thing that's all changed now so it's, it's always changing always changing and soon the affordability checks might change that soon as well but um, I think because of inflation and because of high energy bills, I think they were going to loosen it. I think they might even tighten it again. So was, things are always changing, like on a weekly basis. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, it really is, isn't it? And and the thing is, you, you know, I can reminisce, you know, till the cows come home about the good old days. You know, like you say, you know, next day remortgaging. <laughs> I remember even um, like um, how you'd... Um, just say to them, do you know, I'd like a further advance. And they used to say, okay, fill out the form. And like you say, the next day, the money will be in your bank account. There was nothing like, no valuations, nothing. I think they used to call them drive-bys, which today they now call desktops. But yeah, nobody yeah, went there. Through <laughs> desktop valuations, yeah, yeah. It all changed. <laughs> some of them are different. Like even, yeah, some of them still do that, but not as many, not, not as many. But what I like about TMW is um, when you do your product switches um, on the form, they give you the desktop valuation of what the property value is at the moment, which is good. They list all your products online, and it, but you can just choose bit by bit by bit. But um, with some of the, basically, when you have above 20 properties, for example, um, you can't always use the traditional high street lender or the normal lenders. That's when all the other ones come in, like land pay. Um, capital home loan, foundation home loans, a mortgage lender, et cetera, et cetera. Then their systems are a bit different. So we're going for some of these um, short leases, um, like Kensington. Kensington are fine in terms of product switches. So when their deal finishes after two years, they will allow you to renew with them, which is good. Um, Keystone, um, at the time, they were doing, they were piloting their product switch um, range. So at the moment, if you wanted to go back with them after your two-year fix, for example, you'd have to reapply um, for your for a mortgage before they'd give you another like term with them. The mortgage lender, again, they will not allow you to do a product switch, so you have to reapply to them if you want to continue with them. Um, foundation home loans are quite good. Um, what they've done or do is they'll write to you offer you what rates they have, I mean, you have to um, say whether you're looking to continue with them or not. And then you can't do it yourself. You have to go to your broker 
then your broker will put the details through to them. And then Pilation Home Loans contact you and say, have you given your broker permission to act on your behalf? And I have to say yes. And my broker will continue the process. And then um, the products which can happen. So that's a bit of a long-winded process, but it's, it's happened. It works. Land Bay, again, they, they were in the infancy in terms of product switches. So you couldn't renew with them your product switch. You'd have to reapply to them again. And then there was always a chance that they can say no. Same with capital home loans. So a lot of these specialist lenders, when you have like over 20 properties, they see like a more of a risk. So then they start, I don't know, put, putting all these restrictions in place and, and so forth. But if you're first starting out, then it's, it should be fine because people like I said, NatWest, um, TMW, their minimum term is like 70 years. So that should be fine. Um, all the other ones are fine to do product switches with. But some of the other ones, there's a, a lot of restrictions involved. And they like you to be geared, if possible, um, the lower, the better. Like with most of mine at the moment, um, I'm geared probably around about 55%-ish. Yeah, about 55%-ish overall, so not too bad. It's got, got that cushion there. So if, if for example, that 18-year property cycle does happen, and then there is a crash in like 2024, then at least I'm, I'm covered either way. But it shouldn't really matter because I'm renting mine out anyway on the guarantee rent scheme, so it won't really affect me. It's only going to affect you if you sell or if you're doing flipping. But if you're not doing any of those kind of things, then if there is a crash or a correction in two years' time, according to the property cycle, then then you should be all right um, going forward, really. Great stuff. Thank you, Jason. Um, I was just going to ask you, so I've never used Kensington before, um, and um, I was buying something, 58-year lease, and the broker said, oh, let's try Kensington. And we did, but I had to say to the broker, do you know what? No, and never again. Because um, so their instructions to the um, to the surveyor was a value, to, you know, for the surveyor to value the property on on a one eighty day basis. Um, when the surveyor mm -hmm. did the valuation, he came back with a one eighty day, but also put the ninety day there. I don't know who asked him to do that, but he did. And when they then um, were um, wanting to make me an offer, they wanted to make it on a 90-day basis. So I said, well, actually, your, your initial instructions were on a 180-day basis. Um, why would you, you know, want to use a 90-day? Anyway, so I just said to my broker, I said, no, and never again. <laughs> um, I don't know what your experience has been with them. Have you, have oh. you used them? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, just trying to put a, a product switch with them recently. Um, they gave me like a 2.99% um, product switch fee. So it's not too bad. Um, but yeah, they, they seemed all right. With, with, as you know, with some lenders, with them, it, it was fine. Um, they'd done the survey, but I didn't receive anything about um, the 90-day or 180-day um, valuation. They just done normal survey. I mean, I got sent a copy of it. Um, yeah, there's no issues with them. There's no issues going forward. But what with NatWest, for example, um, they're a bit different to the rest of them. Because my partner's going through going through a short lease one now, um, of sixty six years. And what they do, um, with all the other lenders, I like to have my application, mortgage application, a copy of that. I like to have a copy of the survey um sent to me as well, just so I can gauge things, how things work out going forward, et cetera, et cetera. I have all that documentation there stored. With NatWest, when you when they, they, they do a survey, they don't give you a copy of the survey. They keep it to themselves for some reason. And even like, the mortgage offer was given to my partner recently because she's done a short lease one. And um, they, even then, they didn't give her a copy of the survey. So they like to keep that separate for some reason. I don't know why, but it's like, just, just different rules. But yeah, mm. it's mainly bicellet mortgages. I know you like to do um, variable rates, right? Yourself. So <laughs> me, I like to do two year fixed, but you like to do variable rates with, with your short leases, yeah, right? Yeah, because I, I don't know if I'm going to want to sell. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the variable rates. I have some on two years, um, 
you know, some of them, you know, you're not going to flip no matter the price. So, you you know, those ones I'm happy to put on to fixed rates. But generally, I'm I'm all for variable rates. Um, I just love that flexibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the real ones, you're going to rent them out afterwards. So you can obviously put it onto a variable rate. You're going to refurb it. I've seen some of the pictures on um, Instagram, actually, of your project, latest project. So you're going to um, obviously do it up and rent out afterwards. Or you're going to flip it or what's your plan? You know, I never know. I never, ever know. Because when I go into it, you know, I always have like my three exit strategies. And at the end, I might think, okay, I'm going to sell or I'm going to rent. You know, those ones would have been on the variable rate in any event. Um, but if if I'm definitely, definitely going to be renting out, then um, they would be most likely on a two year fixed. Um, but I think in the main, probably the ones that I've just bought, I don't think I'm going to sell them. I think I'm just going to keep going to keep hold of them because they are absolutely superb and amazing. Um, but, you know, who knows? I might wake up tomorrow and think, nah, I'm going to sell that one. Um, I, 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 I'm i not wedded to any of my properties in terms of, you know, shall I sell, shall I not sell? Because I, I know that people say, um, I wish I hadn't sold because it's now worth so much. But you see, when I sell, I'm reinvesting that money immediately. So, you know, I don't I don't have those problems. Um, but um, do you know uh, what I was also going to? So the NatWest, I was going to ask you about NatWest, actually. So your partner is is going through with NatWest because I was, you know, when you said they go down to 40 years, I thought, no, 30 years, sorry. I thought, yeah, 30, wow, yeah. I thought, I wonder if they only then will, will look at, you know, prime central London properties. Is that the case with your partner? Is Is what she is? the property that she is doing with them is that in prime um central london um because there are certain um estates in um like the cadogan estate the grosvenor estate um where lenders have special rules for those particular estates and they have again like you know their bog standard rules for you know all the rest of us um so do you know if if natwest if their mortgages going down to 30 years are restricted to those types of estates or are they just standard ones? Well, as far as I know, this one's in Greater London, like in North London. So this one was, um, what, 66 years left on it? So it's not too bad. Um, I know, I can send you something afterwards, actually, because my broker um, made an inquiry to them and this was for one that was like 47 years. And the the uh, underwriter, uh, underwriter, yeah, they came back and said, um, well, they say that the rules are that it's a minimum of 30 years regardless, but we'll look at each case individually and blah, blah, blah. So I don't think it's just restricted just to central London. But like um, Ricky going, what he's, yeah, he's doing one now actually, but it, that's, this one's um, uninhabitable. That's why he didn't get a bridge, get, get him a buy to let lender actually. But he's going through a bridge. But yeah, no, no. Um, I think it allows you to do anyone's, whether it's central London in the square mile or on the, on the outskirts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But their criteria is quite strong, quite rigid. So um, yeah, it's quite rigid because I, I was hoping someone. This is off a topic now. <laughs> I was hoping someone buying Doncaster, yeah. And then what happened is went to go and view the property in Doncaster. One of my mentees found this nice property. Tent looked after it, decorated, tiled herself. Like she just looked after it properly, like really nice. And then went for the mortgage with NatWest. A normal, this is a house, by the way, three bedroom house, um, freehold house. And then the surveyor came back and said, oh, because it's on or near a B road and the town center is about 30 minutes away or 25 minutes away, we can't give you a mortgage on it. But the, everything else was fine. The property itself was fine. Then went for another one, Doncaster. This one was just outside of a flood zone um, with, with all these strong winds and, and storms and global warming and so forth. Like the last storm we had, some properties got flooded around the country. So look out for that in terms of flood zones. But, um, this one was just on the edge of a flood zone, which was fine. Um, again, similar style property. It wasn't on an A road or, or a B road, anything like that. The town center was about 15 minutes away. And then that one, um, he got the mortgage for, which was a map property was not much different to the other one that we looked at. 
So I reckon it depends on on the surveyor and you know what I mean, because that West are a bit funny, but they will give you a mortgage. Um, but I don't know, their criteria is different. But back to your original question, yeah, the lease length, um, ones that we're getting can be worked inside the square mile and probably outside the square mile. But the ones we're doing are outside the square mile, so I can't fully say yes or no to them ones. But like you said, the Grosvenor Estate, it can only extend to 20 years or 25 years, isn't it? And the, the Queen's lease extension family, <laughs> isn't it? I know, they're different, aren't they? Mm. Okay, great stuff at NatWest are, are kind of like broadening their horizons. Um, do they have like strict income criteria? Do you have to be earning a minimum of, with most of the banks, it's usually 20, 20 or 25,000 uh, pounds per annum. Um, are they one of those? That is because a lot of people, Jason, I don't know if you find this, but lots of people coming into property, you know, for the first time are not too enamoured by, you know, the Kensingtons and the land bays and, you know, even though they're quite good and, you know, seasoned investors know them and they're happy to, you know, borrow from them. Um, but, you know, new people might be thinking, oh, I've never heard of that one before. Um, but, you know, NatWest, everyone in the UK has heard NatWest before. So I, I can just assume that, you know, people will be happy to, to borrow from them. But do they have like um, income requirements, minimum income requirements? Do you know? Yeah, this one, um, the minimum is 25,000 a year. And that's as far as I know at the moment. Yeah, 25k a year. And then you can obviously apply for a bachelor mortgage with them. Okay. Yeah. So there, there you are. So people have got lots of choices. Now, West One. Ooh. Do you do now? West One had a bit of a reputation during the last um, um, downturn and um, repossessed quite a lot. It was the bridging arm, wasn't it, of Lloyd's, I think. Yeah. Um, have you used them? Do you like them? Do you? I, I have no experience of yeah, them. Yeah. Um, only what people have said, exactly. but yeah. Yeah, no, West One I haven't used. I haven't used Bank of India. India. Um, yeah, those ones that, that I, I haven't used. I come up on my searches with my broker and because I picked the criteria, but I haven't actually used them. Um, before, so I've just stuck to the ones that I've known, which is like Keystone, the Mortgage Lender, Kensington, Foundation Home Loans, Land Bay, I haven't used either. Capital Home Loans, I have, but but them I haven't used, but they come up on my search list because <clears throat> I fit their criteria basically. Yeah, Land Bay is actually quite good. I like them. I've got a mm. few with Land Bay. Their um their fees are on the high side, but it's it's very simple to deal with them and you know I, I guess I pay sometimes I pay a premium really for simplicity I love simple especially when it has anything to do with figures which I hate <laughs> yeah it makes sense it makes sense yeah Lambie you're right they, cause they come from like a crowd crowd um funding platform isn't it like Mark Lloyd's kind of yeah kind of they, they used to be um mainly in 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 bridging I tell you another one that's really really good lend invest um lend invest I don't I think they have a minimum number of um years for their short leases but as a lender really really good I love I love the small lenders where you can literally pick up the phone and speak to the underwriter I I, I just love them and that really yeah, exactly. is Lend Invest because, you know, it's more personal. It's not, you know, the computer says no or the computer says yes. You know, you can actually talk to them about what you're doing. And that's really good. Do you know, Jason, it's been fascinating. You owe me a room. You must. We must do a room. Yeah, And renting yeah, and because they're like renting for cash flow. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Obviously, we're doing short leases, but um, my main goal when I first started out was to have a um, regular cash flow coming in. So I'm used to being employed. I mean, I like that, I don't know, not security, but I like that con consistency of having income coming in every month um, by a certain date. So I love the cash flow coming in. I mean, we do one about about that as well. I mean, yeah. targets, yeah. 
yeah mm-hmm. that would be that would be great i i think i'm more of a capital person um I, I, I don't know i don't know i i i i like to i like to keep flexible at, at you know at this time of, of my life still loving what i'm doing but you know not wedded to anything at all but you know we we really I, you know, i'm i'm so looking forward to it we we will and we will do it let's 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 definitely kind of like you know link up in the background and choose a time choose a day and we can just you know, rip it all to bits and, you know, build it up again. Or do you know what? Come into my room, um, um, UK Property Secrets. I do Thursdays. Maybe we can do it on, on, you know, one of those. No, we only have an hour for that. So that might not be enough. Do you know what? We'll sort it out. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, uh, so um, you've spoken about, you know, you just mentioned very, very briefly that you, you have a men, um, a mentee up in that you were helping up in Doncaster. So clearly you offer mentorship services. What other services do you offer people so that when people are listening to this, they, they know what they can come to you about. So, you know, tell us please, Jason. Yeah, now, so basically, um, normal guy, know me already, just simple, just started off in a supermarket, um, 11 years in Sainsbury's, and then crossed over into the teaching profession, like teaching maths. So um, a lot of people I meet come to me or mention it in passing and say, oh, I want to leave my job, I don't like my manager anymore, or I've been furloughed recently, or I've been made redundant, etc., etc." All these problems or issues or concerns that I've been through myself because back in like 2004 I think it was or something like that um we were overstaffed in terms of like math teachers when they came in and said oh one of us is gonna have to go um in terms of um like teaching overstaffed government cuts etc etc so by that time I was, I was still living at home so so it was fine one of my colleagues, um, he was a main breadwinner in his family, um, just had a baby, um, just bought a new car, just bought a new house. Um, his missus doesn't work, actually, she's a housewife. So I thought, wait a minute, if he loses his job, then he's finished. Like, there's no hope. But luckily, if I get made redundant and I'm, I'm all right, I've got mum and dad like, to stay at home with, so I'm fine. But I thought, this, I need some form of financial security. That's when I started to push um, the cash flow and buying properties per month. Then I mean, a lot of people were in the same sort of position um, that want to leave their job or at least have something on the side or they haven't got a big pension pot coming up. And even if they do, some of the companies might even try and fleece them because you get companies like Topshop and BHS that went under with 500 million pension deficit. So they've wasted some of their, some of their money. And so Philip Green's off in, off in France Monaco, Sandra Pay, wherever he is, enjoying life. So I have to be careful. It's good if you can get your financial security or your financial future in your own hands. This is where the property comes in. Um, obviously, you can do crypto, you can do stocks and shares, um, you can do property, you can do a mixture of a, of a three or four. So um, I like to help people to try and, I don't know, try and get them on the right path in terms of either leaving, leaving their job or at least having property alongside their full-time employment or part-time employment and they can put their portfolio on the side and then eventually have a chance to leave work or have the option of leaving work if they want to um, going forward so i just help people in that sense like i do that like, one hour zoom calls with them um obviously paid i do like full mentoring programs across as well in terms of my specialist area um, i always told them first um, look at all of the free resources out there. You've got Instagram, YouTube, um, LinkedIn, um, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. Talk to people, listen to podcasts. Do as much free um, research information as you can um, to try and start you off on your own journey. Because no one didn't really give me any assistance when I was younger, apart from one guy for like two, three months, gave me some guidance. But apart from that, I just done it all myself. So look at all of the free material first. And if you still, you need some assistance and some help and some guidance, we're not confident enough, then you come to people like myself and other other trainers or, or coaches. And then 
we can help you and guide you in that sense. So it could be an ad hoc basis where you might bring a short lease deal to me. I had two two clients last week, um, one in West London and the other one, where was he down? Croydon. They found two short lease properties. So we spent an hour on the phone. Um, I assessed the deal, look at all of the figures, et cetera, et cetera, see if it stacks up or not. Um, give access to my to my team, use extension surveyor, my broker if they need it, and my solicitor. I mean, they can make an informed decision whether to move forward or not. In that sense, then there's the other full mentoring program where you can hold your hand. And basically, it's like I'm buying the property on their behalf, where we just walk through the whole thing together. I mean, obviously after that, they can either do it themselves, the second one or third one will come back to me. It's up to them. But those are the two main programs available. So if anyone wants any information on that, they can just DM me afterwards or click on my face, send me a message via Instagram. I mean, I can send you over some of the rates. But it's more about helping people to um, just try and be more financially secure. It's up to them if they want to leave their full-time job or not, just just hold on, just to move forward. Because I, I started off with flats. My, my main aim was to replace my, my full-time income because I couldn't afford the houses. Houses were quite expensive. So as you probably heard the story before, just started off with just um, flats first of all. I mean, the first one was about, made about 600 pound a month, 550, 600 pound a month. I gave it to the council um, under the guarantee rent scheme. That one I've still got with them actually, like 21 years later, still paying me in over periods over that period of time. And I bought another four while actually three while living at home. Um, and then by the time I got to my fourth one, roughly about over two grand a month, 2,200 a month um, income coming in. So I matched my full-time wages just from buying that four flats. And then I was thinking, oh, I have the option of retiring or, or, or not working. But I just kept on going, still young, and I moved out of home, kept on buying, kept on buying, kept on buying, kept on buying. And then like I doubled my wages, tripled my wages, quadrupled my wages. And then the staff members are like, oh, what are you still doing here? I'm just, uh, just, just working for fun, just to keep busy. Otherwise, you get bored. You can go to gym five times a week, but I just want to keep keep busy. So then eventually I just left and um, still do a bit of private tuition just to keep busy, go to gym five times a week. But I want to help people to try and get that same system and momentum in place so they can have the option of just working for fun or having like a lot of the freedom of time. So that's why I could have started it. Plus a new level of fulfillment as well. Because after a while, because you've been doing it for so long, like 20 years, 21 years, you're thinking, oh, every deal is not really a challenge anymore because I know exactly what to do. So at least with the mentoring, you kind of help individuals. It's a new a new focus. Plus got like a teaching background as well. So I know about Ofsted and writing lesson plans and schemes of work and et cetera, et cetera. So I thought that would tie in nicely with me helping individuals that progress in their journey. I know the property game in my sector, um, inside out. So I thought I'll just try and share that knowledge and then pass it on to others just so they can hopefully be like financially free one day. So that's what I've been doing lately in that sense. Excellent. Thank you, Jason. Absolutely superb. So, you know, people, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you know how to get in touch with Jason if if you're interested in this. And you know, speak to him, you know, have an hour's call with him because he might be able to just help you. So, Jason, thank you very, very much for doing this with me. 